It's Thursday, April 1st, and welcome to the New York Amsterdam News Podcast. I'm Cyril Josh Barker. My guest for this episode is NAACP President and CEO Derek Johnson. He's going to talk about several issues, including the trial of police officer Derek Chauvin, COVID-19 and the vaccine rollout, and his thoughts on President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. Well, so much is going on right now in black America from the closely watched trial of the police officer who killed George Floyd to the ongoing COVID-19 vaccine rollout. The nation is also dealing with mass shootings and attacks on the country's Asian community. All this is going on as a new administration settles in the White House. The NAACP continues to be on the front lines fighting for equity for black Americans. And back with us is NAACP President and CEO Derek Johnson to share his thoughts on everything. Welcome to the podcast, President Johnson. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. Well, first, I want to say it's been we the last time that we spoke was uh, March 23rd, 2020. So it's been almost a year to the day that you and I have spoken and so much has happened uh, during that time. I uh, also want to say congratulations on the NAACP Image Awards. They were done very well. It was a great event. And uh, congratulations on that. Thank you. And I uh, always look forward to talking to the black press and Amsterdam News as well as the premier Black papers in the country. Thank, thank you so much, sir. Well, let's just get into it. Um, the Derek Chauvin and George Derek Chauvin trial, the George Floyd case. All eyes are on this case right now. It started this week. We're just a few days in. We saw a black man, an, an elderly black man, sobbing yesterday uh, over this when he watched the video over again. And I read something today saying that you know this case is actually causing maybe even some mental trauma to our community because of what's going on. I definitely want to get your thoughts on the case uh, and, and what, what you think it, what you think is going on here. What's on trial here is our right to breathe. What's on trial is our criminal justice system. What's on trial is whether or not America can live up to its promise to ensure that equal protection under the law is afforded to all citizens and whether or not we can hold law enforcement officers and agencies accountable for how they treat African-Americans across the country. And, uh, you know, as we move forward, again, people are watching this very closely. I think, you know, of course, a lot of us are at home now working from home. So a lot of us are able to watch this unfold uh, as we go forward. Can you tell us what the NAACP is doing at this time, uh, you know, in correlation with the case or in correlation maybe with the family or anything that's going on with, with this with this trial? Well, our focus now is uh, George Floyd Act to make sure it get passed in Congress. The House have taken the most in- important step in getting it passed out of the House, thanks to the stewardship of former CBC chairwoman Karen Bass. Now it's up to the Senate to do what's necessary uh, to right-size our criminal justice system. We must put in place uh, a, a, a database of police misconduct so law enforcement officers uh, are not allowed to go from one agency where they've caused harm and been found uh, by the agency of being problem, go to the agency and their record not follow them or the public not being made aware. Secondly, we must address this issue of qualified immunity. No individual should be able to operate above the law, especially individuals who've been uh, sworn to protect and serve. And we have to have a complete ban of chokeholds and knees or necks and any other of those um, harmful methods that law enforcement officers have used across the country to permanently harm and or kill African-Americans. 
that's our focus at NAACP. How do we create a federal policy to begin to protect citizens from the very people that were sworn to uphold and protect us? Absolutely. And of course, here in New York, uh, whether you know or not, there was a major uh, police uh, reform bill that was passed by our uh, by the city council uh, and our mayor passed it. He signed it. Uh, we're, this is from a local level. This is not a federal thing. This is just in New York City. Of course, we have our own issues when it comes to police community relations and police brutality. Do you think that at the local level, uh, things can be accomplished? Because we're seeing cities like New York and even some other places that have this big racial reckoning, uh, you know, after George Floyd. And the George Floyd Act is something that's national. Um, but can we make real change with these laws? These are just laws, you know, asking people, ask, telling officers rather to not use excessive force. Are these effective? Absolutely. You know, local jurisdictions like the state of New York and in any jurisdictions can remove the protective layer that's put in place so police officers can be held accountable. Majority of law officers across the country are really good individuals who serve our communities, who protect our communities, but it's for those individuals who use their authority and the badge to harm, harass, and in many ways uh, suffocate our aspirations. As a black man in America, I grew up in Detroit, very similar to Detroit, to New York. We should be comfortable being able to walk down the street like any other citizens, particularly those who ha- who are posing no threat, causing no harms, gainfully employed, taking care of families and not have to be concerned with individuals with a badge in blue uniforms, harassing, attacking and causing harm. Absolutely. All right, I want to shift gears here to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, you and I spoke on March 23rd, 2020, when COVID-19 was still a fairly new thing. We knew what it was, but it was you know, not where it is now. Obviously, we've been through it. A lot's happened in the year's time that you and I have talked. Um, you and I, before, were talking about equity when it comes to care, uh, because as you know, and as everybody knows, African-Americans were highly affected, greatly affected by the COVID-19 pandemic and the number of hospitalizations, the number of deaths that we saw. And now we're at the vaccine. I just want to tell you, I got mine uh, on Tuesday of this week. So I, um, I got my first dose this week. Uh, and of course, you know, in New York City here, we've opened it to 30 and up and it's going to be opened to 16 and up starting next week. Um, what are you seeing with the vaccine? Because I know I've done several stories about vaccine equity. And, and what I believe is that people can say what they want about how they feel about getting the vaccine, but it should at least be fairly offered to everybody. Are you seeing an inequity when it comes to vaccine distribution in this country? I'm seeing an acceleration of access in our communities across the country. Uh, Many people are talking about vaccine hesitancy. I I say that it's not about hesitancy. It's about availability. And you think about this administration. uh, The commitment was to have 100 shots in arms within the first 100 days. Within 50 days, we had hit 100 million. I should say 100 million. And now the goal is 200 million. I am beginning to see a a sharp ramp up of access to the vaccines all across the country. Now, we still have pockets where there are some concerns and there are some equity issues. But I believe over the next several weeks, we're going to see a continuous push in terms of availability of vaccines. I've had my shots. Actually, everyone in my household has both shots, which is a good thing. And I believe as time go by, particularly in the next two weeks at the rate we're going, we're going to see more access to vaccines across the country. 
and I know the feeling. I just got my first shot this week, and you know I was finally able to put my vaccine card and my sticker on social media like everybody else. So I was happy to get it. Yeah. Uh, even though the vaccine is rolling out, we're still starting to starting to see cases uh, here in this part of the country, uh, in New York City, in New York State rather. We are ten percent up in cases. We're seeing other parts of the country, places that have loosened uh covert restrictions places that i noticed have a lot of african-americans uh that are seeing a a uh restrictions lifted for covid19 uh we're still in this pandemic no one really knows how much longer it could be shorter it could be longer we don't know but what what do you think about how you know we're being treated still i mean and, and also i do want to talk to you i want to get your thoughts overall because we're kind of rounding the curve on this but we we exposed a lot of health disparities uh a lot of disparities rather in our healthcare system in the black community during COVID-19. What do you think? Well, I think with COVID-19, it was exposed to existing inequity, and uh, we have to address access to health care universally. Uh, that is something that has pestered our communities. But in addition to access to health care, we also need to push even stronger for representation, more black doctors, more black nurses, more uh, black nurse practitioners, so that People who are from our communities are actually serving our communities at a greater percentage uh, because that builds trust, that builds confidence, that builds uh, a, a line of defense to attack some of the persistent health problems that our communities have been confronted with because you will have individuals who, ha- who take on a level of care and concern as a result of them personally or family members being uh, uh, uh suffering from the same element. So as we push for more access, as we push for more equity, we also must push for more representation. Absolutely. Black black doctors matter, absolutely. And black nurses matter too. Um, I want to circle back to what you were talking about, about vaccine hesitancy. Uh, We all know somebody, I think I have a couple of friends uh, who I know should be taking the vaccine who just are not. They don't trust it. They don't want to have anything to do with the vaccine. They didn't praise me when I got mine. Um, As the president and ceo of the naacp what do you say to the black to uh, to our folks in our community in the black community who do have that vaccine hesitancy because we we can't run away from the fact that there is a history in this country of distrust in the medical community when it comes to the black community uh what are your words to our folks out there who have the vaccine hesitancy so we've taken a position we're not going to try to convince anyone to take the vaccine we're just telling people know your options understanding the understand the risk and, and and be able to project the outcome. Our goal is to keep ourselves healthy, keep our families healthy, keep our communities healthy. Understanding the options that we must continue to socially distance, that we must continue to wear masks. And if you so choose, there are vaccine options now for your consideration. That's the most important part of this journey that we are in. I am now glad to see for the first time that we actually have a federal response to the global pandemic. And hopefully we can come out of this space that we've been in as a result of having a true federal response and for African-Americans and individuals in our community, just understand the options that are in front of you, understand that that so many people uh, that, that are around you that you may or may not be putting at risk because if you contract COVID-19, you go from being someone that's hesitant to someone who's actually a vessel to impact other people so know your options all right and last thing about covid you know we're there's a lot of conversation in cities and states around this country about recovery and a lot of times whenever there's any kind of recovery a lot of the times we tend to get left behind uh 
what do you think, what conversations should black communities, black residents in, in, in communities be a part of as, as these communities and towns and businesses, uh, industries recovered? We're going to see, we're going to be seeing a lot of jobs coming back, hopefully. Uh, how do we be, how do we stay in that conversation and, and make sure that we're not left behind? I, th- I think uh, we are in the center of the conversation. When the president unveiled his uh, uh, plan on yesterday, uh, the American Jobs Plan, uh, over $2 trillion in infrastructure, $10 billion were set aside for uh, conservation as core. And those are jobs over two years for young people to, to be fully employed, learn a skill. And if they want to stay in the conservationist space, uh, there are ample opportunities. That's a job creator, whether we're talking about roads, bridges, water, so much opportunity will is in front of us. And that's the framework that's coming out of the White House now is about Congress making sure they draft the legislation to cover the details. And with the details, uh, the members of the CBC, the NAACP, and many other organizations, we will be pushing as hard as possible to make sure money gets to our communities and our people as fast as possible. Absolutely. I've, I've been saying for the longest time that this recovery is kind of a restart for a lot of folks uh, looking to maybe change things in their lives or even change careers or change businesses or make even major changes in their lives. So it's good to know that, that we are in the center of the conversation. So I, that's that's wonderful. I uh, want to talk to you about the Asian attacks that are happening around the country. I'm sure you know that here in New York City, we just had one. This is a, a disturbing trend that we're seeing around the nation uh, in Atlanta, what we saw with the mass shooting. And even here in New York, I think it was either yesterday or two days ago, there was a, a 65-year-old Asian woman who was basically pushed down and punched and hit and attacked uh, and, and no one helped her. Uh, what's the NAACP's role in this, in, in, these, in supporting the Asian community? It's sad to see in this moment uh, – the outcome of four years under Trumpism, where he created such a level of tribalism, xenophobia, anti-Semitic, uh, anti-Latino, uh, anti-Black uh, behavior. And we must, in our community, uh, support the Asian community, stand in unison, because if we fall in this country to a level of tribalism, white supremacy wins. And white supremacy is the common enemy of all of our communities. So we must stand up and not fall prey to some of the negative stereotypes, because at the end of the day, we either stand as one nation or we fall divided and fighting one another. I want to thank you for this opportunity as I begin to transition to the next call. And I always, always appreciate uh, joining you all with Amsterdam News. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. All right. Take care. All right. Thank you. That concludes this week's podcast. You can pick up the latest edition of the New York Amsterdam News on newsstands and get updates online at AmsterdamNews.com. You can also keep up with us on Facebook at NY Amsterdam News and follow us on Twitter at NY Am News. I'm Cyril Josh Barker. Thanks for listening.